This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey guys, it's Jordana, and I'm here with singer, songwriter, and we can officially add Brit Award winner to his list of accolades. You may know him from songs like Shotgun and Budapest. From all the way across the pond, it's George Ezra. Once again, we're talking about the songs that shaped some of today's hottest artists. We're going to break down some tracks from childhood memories to pivotal career-defining moments. The classic hits, the one-hit wonders, and those guilty pleasure songs we know you love. Either way, we're gonna have a great playlist for you. This is Score My Life. Hey guys, welcome to Score My Life. We have uh, today a very special guest, George Ezra. Hello, how are you? <laughs> good, how are you? Good. Welcome you. to New good. York. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> um, so you were born in Hartford, Hartfordshire, right? Is that how you say it? Yeah, I would say, but I think it's because of my accent. I say Hertfordshire. Shire. But okay. Hertfordshire sounds much more Tolkien. That's good, from the Shire. <laughs> well, I like sometimes that. Sometimes when I'm, I talk to someone with an accent, I pick up on the accent. So if I start talking um, like you, <laughs> yeah. don't be offended. But I think that's really, I think that's common. I, th- <laughs> I think it's, yeah, that's okay. So is, is, is that like, uh, is Hartford, Hertfordshire or Shire? Yeah. Um, is that like New York, New York? <laughs> Um, Kansas City, much Kansas. smaller, a lot less going on. <laughs> so Hertfordshire, they're counties. So I don't, I don't know how's best to explain it, but so Hertford's a town inside a county, and there's kind of say a population of thirty thousand people really? in the town of Hertford, <laughs> but then Hertfordshire, there's a lot more. There's loads <laughs> of towns. Okay, all right. So it's kind of like that. It's yeah. Similar but smaller on yeah. a smaller scale. Um, so your parents were both teachers. Mm-hmm. What subjects um, did they teach? Uh, my parents taught, so my mum, she did a few, so she started teaching English at a secondary school, then she helped primarily dyslexic kids, and now she works in a primary school, so she's with the, like, the real babas, the cute ones, and when I go out, like, occasionally, it's been a while now, but you go into her classroom, and the chairs are just tiny, and she's always like, well, yeah, what do you think? I'm teaching five-year-olds. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but this chair's ridiculous. Um, so that's what she does. And my dad was a, like a, a gym teacher. Uh, but near the end of his time at the school, he did less and less teaching because he became what's called a deputy head. Um, so I think it's more of a, like a senior role, but I think that means that you do less hours with the kids. But they both love what they do. It's amazing. Like as a, kind of a lesson in life, do what you love. I think that was good. And you're doing that too. Yeah. Um, you thought you were going to be a teacher, though. What, what yeah. If, if you were going to be a teacher, what, where do you think you'd be? Um, I like the idea of teaching music. Um, I always knew for me to do that, I'd have to brush up on my theory. Because um, everything that I studied was always in popular culture, you know. And... Um, it just a lot of the musicians I get to play with now in the band and everything they are from a classical background, and their musician. You know, I'm not a musician compared to them. I'm a you know a chancer. <laughs> when you see them do what they do, um, it's interesting. The way I feel, I kind of feel 
more like a writer. I know, or a performer. I don't know. I can't, when I see them play and when I see them read music and the way that they pick things up, that, you know, that, that there's a definite difference between the two. Is there um, a song or an artist that you remember your parents playing a lot when you were very young? Yeah. Now, the, uh, I know you're going to want different songs for different times in my life. The one record that might come up more than once okay. uh, is Graceland by Paul Simon. And that was like my first, we used to listen to it in car journeys. And, and then I took it on, you know, as a teenager and then at parties and stuff like that. And I just love that album. But yeah, as that record reminds me of kind of family car journeys. Um, and I remember being so young when I first heard, I thought diamonds on the soles of her shoes. I thought he was saying diamonds on her sofas and shoes. <laughs> for years, I, like for far too long. You know, when you get a lyric wrong and that's just cemented in your head. I was way too old when I found out that wasn't what he was saying. Yeah, and then you're older in life. You, you now are singing those wrong words and it's really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so you went to BIMM Institute for University, right? Uh -huh. um, can you tell us what that stands for? Because I have no idea. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, it's an impressive list of alumni there. Yeah. Um, if you could tell me a song, your favorite song of one of the alumni. That went yeah. <laughs> so, so I went to a place, yeah, which is BIMM. We call it BIM, which is less attractive sounding. Uh, because it's the British Institute of Modern Music. But the first two that they opened were in both Brighton and Bristol. So BIM made more sense still. Now they've got them all over. And I think there's one in Dublin. But it just feels unfair to call it DIM. Like, I don't think that's <laughs> fair on the kids that go there. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting place. And I really, um, the people that work there and what they do is amazing. Uh, I really struggle there's something I struggle with about especially popular music in education because really the lesson is there is no right or wrong and you're, you're being urged to be creative and try things out. But at the end of each term, you still have to be invigilated on something. And to invigilate something, there has to be rules. So it kind of is <laughs> a tough one in that sense. Um, but yeah, I'd, and I was there, for, I, I had planned to be there for three years. I was there for a year. Um, and I stayed in Bristol for near enough three years, but I didn't study for the second two. Um, Were any any artists, any notable artists that you know that are, are equally as big today there at your time? Um, I have a list of alumni. Yeah, like no, I'm not them. not quite. <laughs> there's no one that's gone into quite the commercial route that I have. From I'm trying to be like political with my answer. No one <laughs> that I don't think there's. A peer of mine at the college has done a similar thing. There was, so the the alumni band that I love the most, there's a band called The Kooks, and they studied in the Brighton, which was the original centre. And they were probably about eight years before I joined or something. Um, and they've got a whole load of amazing songs. I think the one that I love the most, and it just reminds me of being 14 and those like endless summers, uh, is a song called Naive, which I just love. Um, it's brilliant. And when I say The Endless Summer, so w when you're uh, later on in your school education, you get upwards of like six weeks off or maybe more as a kid. And I would just leave school and I wouldn't come home for six weeks and we would camp out, we'd stay at people's houses, there'd be you know, bonfires down by the lake. And yeah, it was all those. That's awesome. Yeah, that's one of the songs that soundtrack that time. 
That's great. Um, you mentioned that you, you were inspired by early American uh, folk and blues artists. Was there one artist or song that really sent you down this path? Yeah, and this is... Um, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. This might sound like It's like almost too perfect the way that I came to it. But I remember starting to write songs and my parents finding that out and they've never been pushy parents and they've never been gushy or anything like that but they were kind of like oh well if you're writing songs and I think it was my mum she was like you should listen to Bob Dylan you know check him out and I remember having do you remember when mp3 players were they were the usb as well so you actually plugged the mp3 player and there was this thing where you could at school you would pass your um headphones your earplugs down your sleeve so that one ended up in your hand and then you would sit with your, for anyone listening, I've got my, like, my ear in my hand propping my head up and then you could hear your MP3 player in class. And I remember hearing Tambourine Man and just being, just teleported somewhere else and I, I just remember it sounding so, I understood it and I could see it all and I remember it sounding ancient at the same time. I remember it like, where has this come from? And, and also, naively, I thought I had discovered it, you know. <laughs> this is Bob Dylan's Tambourine Man, but sat in that class and I think it was an English lesson. And I just, you know, it was my discovery and it was just an incredible feeling. And you obsess over things as a teenager, I think, and so that became an obsession for years and years, Bob Dylan. And I, I used to... You know, and I go through phases now. I can go months or years not really listening to him. And then I'll go for a year if that's all I'll listen to. But that was where it started. And just a nature of my curiosity, then there's a Scorsese, Scorsese film called No Direction Home, which documents like just Dylan's time in New York. And, and it, it interviews a lot of other artists from around the time. And it goes into what he was listening to. And just I, then, you know, when they mention Woody Guthrie, then I go and listen to that and you know they're meant to Dave Van Ronk and all these people and uh, yeah I just loved it and I got obsessed with it and um it was my thing you know my friends didn't like it and I liked that they didn't like it you know it was I kept it to myself that's great everyone should have their own thing I think so and you know um, funnily my younger brother who's a musician as well his thing was the Beatles and he wasn't allowed to like Dylan and I wasn't allowed to like the Beatles. And it would be like that because it was our thing, you know, at the dinner table. Me, me and my sister were the same way, except it was, at that time it was um, Paula Abdul and Janet Jackson. There you go, yeah. <laughs> I got Janet Jackson, she got Paula Abdul. Brilliant, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so when you were 18, you invented a word. I t- <laughs> a really really strong turn here. Can you tell us what the word is and what it means? Well, it's been so long. So essentially... <laughs> This, so I lived, my first year I was in student halls, uh, like halls of residence. Um, and then the second year you pick, you know, you make friends and you go and find an apartment to live in together and everything. And that was around the time that I started to gig outside of Bristol. And I started to get people following me on Twitter that we didn't know, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> you know, And that was funny to us. And we kind of started to, you know, we'd get drunk and just, laugh about the whole thing and we were like well let's see if we invent a word if we can get people to use it <laughs> so i started tweeting the word petan which is p-e-t-a-n and it means absolutely nothing <laughs> um 
and I and the thing is, what I was aware of is to to get anything to stick, you've got to do it a lot. So anything I tweeted, I'd put Petan at the end of it. <laughs> And unfortunately, it worked and people took it. Into, and now I have to talk about this 18-year-old drunk idea to come up with a word. Is there, um, if I look, like search the, the hashtag, mm. will it come up? I don't know anymore. I don't, <laughs> because I really, after a while, I got like, so like, oh, why did you do this, George? I just stopped. <laughs> I stopped. So I don't know. And also, I think there's a Canadian ice hockey player called, Pe- his surname is Petan. <laughs> so you were really just promoting him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, is there a song around that time of, of your word in, drunk word inventing self? Oh, God, <laughs> there's so connect? many. Yeah, <laughs> we used to, we lived in a flat on Park Street. Uh, and it had this huge kitchen that was really communal, and we would we were kind of the apartment that would have friends over a lot. Um, I'm gonna go with a song. There's an album called Rogues Gallery, and as far as I'm aware, this might not be true. But when Johnny Depp was first in Pirates of the Caribbean, he got obsessed with sea shanties and compiled this album where different famous artists sing genuine original sea shanties. Um, so it's got Jarvis Cocker and it's got Sting and it's got uh, there's a whole load of different acts but one of the songs is called Turkish Revelry and the Turkish Revelry was an old ship uh, that they sing about and it's just beautiful it's got like this kind of like lonely violin in it and yeah we that would always be the someone's fallen asleep in the kitchen (laughs) coming to an end you know it's either been a great night for you or it's just time to go for, to bed and that's when that song would come on that's awesome um that's so funny that, that you know that song would always yeah, yeah it yeah. would always come up um so you are um a middle child yes i am as well there you go <laughs> they're the best yeah um <laughs> so you have two siblings your sister jessica is the oldest and your younger brother ethan is as you mentioned also a musician a singer songwriter um what's your favorite song that ethan has written Oh man, Ethan, uh, this is this annoys me so much, Ethan. If you ever hear this, <laughs> he's written so many amazing songs, um, and one of them is a song called "Subtle Changes." And the reason it annoys me is because he's not putting it on his album. I don't think that's. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that out loud, but I don't. I don't think he's gonna carry it on, um, which is fine. That's it. But the reason I love it so much is because it's the first song I remember really him sharing with us and he's always been a bit of a lone wolf Ethan in that he he doesn't need um I don't know validation from others mm-hmm. and things as much as I do and I need I need attention and I need um I need people around me I get yeah. bored easily because you're a middle child yeah 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 exactly <laughs> it's the, it's the that same for yeah. I always need someone I always yeah. need action or and I can yeah. you know I can drift into any crowd and feel at home it's fine whereas Ethan so th- you know when the nature of when I've written a song everyone within a half mile radius has heard it because I've gone door to door like listen to what do you think of this what do you think of this guys whereas Ethan you know for a while I don't even I don't even know that I was sure if he was writing or not but Subtle Changes was the first one I heard and I was just extremely proud um yeah and it's a beautiful song um okay so let's jump to 2013 um so your EP did you hear the rain um I heard a funny story lately about um Budapest yes and how um you actually wrote the song and hadn't even gone to Budapest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you kind of tell us the story about how that all happened? Yeah, absolutely. So for the first album, 
I took a trip around Europe to get some inspiration and I bought a train ticket and it's um it's a train ticket that allows you to go wherever you want. So if you have this one ticket any country in the in Europe you can you can visit whenever you want. So some people buy the ticket and they'll go to two cities or three cities in that month but do it more in depth. Whereas what I did was I went to like nine cities or something and kind of every two days I moved on to the next place. And I would find the hostel closest to the station and I would stay there and it was brilliant. And then there was one stop where a friend of mine put me in touch with these three Swedish girls um, that said that I could stay with them. And so obviously I was like, fantastic you know <laughs> i'm gonna not go to the hostels this time because hostels yeah exactly and, and the fact that they were like they want you to go and stay with them and i was like i, I must have been 19 or something my mind was blown i would like i'd never been outside of the uk much anyway and then all of a sudden there was these three girls that were willing to put me up um so i got round to the apartment and they were all lovely the girls um and they were all excited about the eurovision song contest final so the Eurovision Song Contest, each European country puts forward a singer uh, every year and they compete and it's televised and it's like a huge, like America's Got Talent or something, but yeah. it's all the European countries. And it's just, it's a cheese fest. It's very tacky <laughs> and like, I'd managed not to watch it my whole life, you know? <laughs> and I'm not against it, it's brilliant that they do it and people love it and that's great and people have Eurovision parties and stuff. I just <laughs> managed to avoid yeah, it. Avoid it. <laughs> But we went to go and watch it in a park. They had it on a big screen. And this is when the girls told me that in this city... I love that you've Sweden, avoided it, but you're with three girls and you go, oh, I love it. Yeah, I'm, I'll I'm come all about it. I, That was exactly <laughs> it. It was like, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. I thought you'd never ask. Yeah, that's all I want to do tonight. Because um, it was like a balmy summer evening. So it was like warm and they had big screens out in parks <laughs> and people were going down to watch it. And... Um, at this point in the story, this is when they tell me that you can't buy alcohol after a certain time in this town. And I think it's like a to, to prevent, um, because it's it, it, in Northern Europe, in those places, in the winter, it can be dark. You only get four hours of daylight a day or whatever. Right. And I think it, the alcohol is often turned to as like a way to resolve right. that yeah. uh, in people. So they try and police it. And so I ended up buying a bottle of rum off a man in a park <laughs> right so we're sat in this park and this dude this sketchy dude like you walks really through. taking risks you? yeah yeah well <laughs> again I, you know i was just 19 and having fun and this guy walks past and he was so sketchy and i'm sure he was a lovely man deep down but he he had a like a whiff of the thug about him um <laughs> and he was like i'm selling rum and i was like brilliant thank you i'll take that and i drank all the rum um, the whole bottle. Yeah, it went <laughs> and it went quickly as well, because you know when you're nervous, you've just met new people, and the new yeah. people just so happen to be three girls. <laughs> but you know, so I drank all this rum, and I was just drunk. And we went to a big party in this abandoned church somewhere, and then I just didn't feel great the next day. Um, and so I decided not to go to the next town that I'd planned to visit, which was Budapest. And so I just scratched it off the journey completely. Um, and then I got back home and I started to write a love song of sorts and I just thought it would be a funner practice to list things that I didn't have that I would give up for somebody. I think like things like that in songwriting where you can use your imagination a little bit more, I enjoy that. So I started with A House in Budapest and I thought nothing of it. I didn't think anyone would ever hear the song. Um, but alas, people, you know, 
were very supportive of it and so yeah I have to tell the story because it gives <laughs> it you know I like the story it's funny it's an amazing story yeah um I mean that's that song really catapulted I, yeah. I'd say your, your music career um and it it helped you to then uh, start in, like, you had supporting slots with mm. um, Bastille, Sam Smith, Tom O'Dell, the following year from mm-hmm. that. Um, out of those artists that you you were supporting, um, is there one song that is a favorite or that really sticks out of that, that time period? Yeah. There is. And the, 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 from the whole thing, and I, I got to, firstly, I supported, like, niche, not niche, but, like, more cult acts so you know Adam Green he's a guy from New York he took me out on tour around the UK which was amazing and I supported an act called Jessica Hoop a few times and that was brilliant Um, and then it it kind of we hit this wall where I knew I needed a bigger support slot for things to grow that next bit and my promoter was saying, well, I can't get you a support tour unless you have an EP out. And so then I was turning to my record label saying, we need to release an EP. And they were going, we can't release an EP until you have a bigger fan base. And I was going, well, how can I have a bigger fan base unless I'm touring? What comes first? The yeah, exactly. Day. And then finally, we got this EP together. And yeah, and it meant, and I, you know, I supported Hosier around the States, Sam Smith around the States, Bastille around Europe a bit. Um I'm going to go with a Hosier tune. And it came, that tour was a little bit later, but I just, I was in a really good place in myself on that tour. And like, I just loved my time in America on that tour. I'm going to go for someone new. It's either someone new or somebody new. Um, And I just, yeah, it it reminds me of good times. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, those supporting slots are, um, they're probably all my favorite <laughs> artists or groups. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you, you really crushed it. Brilliant. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about your podcast, um, George Ezra and Friends. Um, I know that it came because comedians, uh, comedians yeah. talking to comedians. Tell us a little bit about it. So when I first started to record or write the second album, I just, I couldn't listen to music. Because I, I just, for the first time in my life, I started to overanalyze what I was doing. You know, this person's done this with their song. Should I be doing that? That's, you know, da, da, da. and my brain just, it was like it was going to explode. Um, so I stopped listening to music, but I needed a fix of uh, kind of entertainment industry, as it were. And I started listening to podcasts. And in the UK, there's about two or three really amazing podcasts that are comedians talking to comedians about what they do, why they do it. And often they would be more left of center acts or more with a more of a cult following. And because it's comedy, they're able to be completely candid about what they do like, don't like, why they do what they do, any difficulties they've run into in the industry. And I just realized there's not really that for musicians, especially in the kind of pop world. Um, And I started to try and find a podcast like that and I couldn't. So then I thought, well, I'm going to do it. (laughs) and, and Ed, I, Ed Sheeran was your first. Right? Ed Sheeran was my first guest. He was. And bless him, because him agreeing to do it was a huge help. You know, the, yeah. the, when you have bigger names, don't worry, it will pass. We all hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get that? <laughs> uh, um, when you have a bigger name like that, it, it makes the project more appealing to other acts of as course. well. 
Um, so Ed, thank you, and Ed. Ed Sheeran is one of the nicest men in, in the business. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite Ed Sheeran song? Yeah, I do. Um, and it was really interesting, actually, because he's, he's such a huge act that you you take for granted what he's done, I think. Yeah. Um, what's the um, What's the name of the one? Perfect, I like. What's the one when your legs don't work like they used to before? And he dances in the video. Yeah, and what's the name of the, the track? Oh, I'll have to record it. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, I have to like sing it in my head. <laughs> anyway, you Yeah. Yeah, so I like Perfect. I like his love songs and I think he does them very well. Um, and as you said, he's just a very sweet bloke. Yeah. Okay, and lastly... Um, Shotgun has been a huge hit um, in every single country in the, around the world at this point. Um, your favorite lyric from Shotgun? My favorite lyric from Shotgun, that's easy. There's a lyric that is bikini bottoms, lager tops, um, which might sound, I don't know why. Some people might be like, why that? Why is that his favorite lyric? But it's a lyric that I've had for years and I've tried to sh shoehorn it into so many songs and it just doesn't fit. I don't know. I don't think you have lager tops over here in America, but essentially, if you order a pint of lager beer in the UK and ask for a lemonade top, they just put kind of an inch worth of lemonade in the top, and in the summer, there's nothing better. It's like it really <laughs> makes it a refreshing. It sounds very drink. refreshing. It's brilliant. Um, so, and I've just been trying to get that to into any song, and it just fit perfectly with the atmosphere of Shotgun to me. I don't know why um, you haven't put Peyton in your <laughs> in a lyric. In a lyric, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe maybe the next album. Yeah. Um, so you're nominated for three Brit Awards, including British Single of the Year for Shotgun. Um, so you have our vote. <laughs> thank you. I hope that counts for something. <laughs> um, so yes, good luck and thank you so much for doing Not the podcast. Thank for you my very life. much. Um, it was a pleasure to have you, Jordan. Thank Ezra. you for having me. See you next time. <laughs> Thanks. Again, that was George Ezra. Check out his Score My Life playlist. And if you find yourself in Budapest, do him a favor and let him know if it's an accurate portrayal of the song. We've put it all together for you and you can find it on radio.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.